What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Wednesday. Happy, well, I should say good evening. It's late. I'll say it. I'll admit it. And you're kind enough to uh to, to accommodate my request to do this a little bit later. But uh, I think uh, I think we're both awake, right? Wide awake. Yes. So forget for fans who don't know, we usually do it a little earlier in the evening. But we're really having an official nightmare. You know, a nightcap for this week's episode as we record it. But yes, no, it's all good. I mean. What am I doing? It's not like I got, you know, somewhere to go, people to see right now. <laughs> I mean, there's Netflix, bro. So, You know what? My Netflix is officially running. You know, okay, Netflix is fine. My Hulu is the one that's been acting up in the quarantine. Their app, they're like, their app sucks. Like, I watch it through the TV, like the smart TV function, and it always crashes. Me too. And then, yeah, and through my phone, it's better, but then you have to cast it or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't know why, and it always it always um cuts off the scene right before it goes to commercial. I don't pay for the commercial list one; I yeah. pay for the cheaper one. It always cuts off right before. Does it do that to you too? Yes, it does. Why can't they get that right? I don't understand. It, I I was convinced it's crashing because of the high traffic, but that's uh no yeah. no. It's been like that for years. It barely started. Well, I mean, that's since I've been using it, let's be honest. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I would say like I, I didn't years. start till I got the bundle. I see. Okay. Yes. Now, it's been since uh, whenever The Handmaid's Tale started, that's when I've been having trouble with them. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. We'll save that. We got it. That's off the air. People tuned in. There's uh, finally something happened in the world of mixed martial arts, Natalie. We're talking about Hulu. Yes. Yeah. Move on. I mean, no, it's, it's okay. Y'all can relate. Come on now. Anyway, guys, something has broken in the world of mixed martial arts. So by now, uh, you know, if you are a fan of MMA and you follow anybody in the sport on Twitter, you know that officially Dana White has not only said that the fights are on next Saturday, April 18th, but that he also is getting a private island for international fights. So, you know, uh, cliff notes on what's going on. Dana White does have a mainland location, which is rumored to be on the West Coast. Some people are throwing out Taichi Palace. I'm not confirming anything and saying that's it until, but yes, I'm aware that that's the one that they're all talking about. Also, you know, so that's going to be in the United States. There are a lot of international fighters who cannot get into the country. And for them, that is where Dana White, this one that's been making the rounds, has his, quote, private island, the fight island. So fighters that he can't get onto U.S. soil, he can have uh, fights there too. Apparently they're building, he calls it infrastructure. I take that to be an actual roof building with a cage in there that has all the Wi-Fi you need to broadcast a MMA event. Natalie, I have thoughts, so I'm going to toss it to you because I may go off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say one more thing. Nope. Um, go for it. Un un unbelievable, but not surprising because, look, man, the more that, that fans and media were rallying against Dana White, 
wondering why he insisted, persisted to, to keep these fights going, I think that just motivated him even further. He, he said, don't bet against me. And he, he, by gosh, he meant it. So I'm actually not surprised. And going back to what I said last week, it's like the devil and the angel on my shoulders, you know. Hey, man, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that he, not kind of glad, I'm glad that he, that he pushed forward and did this. I know there's a lot of risk. And it's, maybe it sounds foolish to say I believe he's going to try and keep everybody as safe as possible or that the you know, UFC will. But I do think they will make a, a their best effort. Now, what's the 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 big problem is going to be if even one person comes out of there testing positive, then it's going to be a huge huge problem. Otherwise, I'm honestly very excited. Um, I've heard the same rumors you as you as everybody about the West Coast, the uh, you know the Indian yeah. Reservation near Fresno, Lemoore or Lemoore or Lemoore or something. I thought it was Lemoore. Um, and uh, and then we're, the private we're SoCal Californians, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're not I don't NorCal. Know. The cities in NorCal, yeah. <laughs> They're like um, a whole other state to us, if we're being honest. It really is, truly, truly. Um, and the private island, Jesus, my goodness. When I read that, I was like, you know what? Only freaking Dana White would go so far as to as to probably spend an exorbitant amount of money just to stick it to everybody, just to prove everybody wrong. That you think I won't do this or that I can't do this, check it out. I will literally leave no stone unturned or no turn unstoned, as Mike, as Max Holloway would say, um, to get this done. Dude, honestly, I just, I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, I will point out, we will talk about the fight card and all that, obviously, a lot of changes there. Um, yeah, like you said, the those two, the devil and angel on your shoulder and... um. I want to start with the positive because as I've read this and, you know, we're now 36 hours into the announcement, I am excited. This is like, what? Are you kidding me? This is real life right now? You know, it is unbelievable to say that this is the plan for our business for the next, you know, two months or more possibly. And uh, I thought about it because over the weekend we had all the WrestleMania talk and all week, you know, like there was nothing else on. I was listening to Becky Lynch and Triple H talking to ESPN about uh, WrestleMania. I caught the highlights and all that. And I was like, dude, they pulled it off. And it was a very enjoyable show. Obviously, no fans has an impact. You feel it. It's kind of the elephant in the room. I'll acknowledge that. But, yo, they are putting on a product. And they still had a Monday Night Raw, the Monday Night Show, right? So all of that to me is like, you know, why not? And completely, you know, like, how many weeks in are they with this? They've pulled it off. And so as just a third, you know, outside looking in, if it's possible, why not? That did cross my mind. Now, like yourself, I am completely with you because the first thing I'm thinking is like, all of this is very fragile. All of, you know, the island, the um, the West Coast location, like you said, I mean, look, knock on wood, God, God forbid, but to state the obvious, one person gets sick and all of this could really blow up in seconds, if we're being honest. So that that is there. And then, um, you know, this logistics, obviously, obviously, you still got to get all of these people plus their cornermen to the, you know, 
to the venue or to the location to get to a private plane. You know, they still got to get from point A to B and from B to C is your private plane to the island or to the venue. So all of that is very, I'm using the word temperamental, right? Like this is, there's a reason why people are worried and the stay-at-home order is going on, right? So that is my thing. But yes, as I sat there and I'm like, dude, I mean, if it's on, then it's on. If they tell me the fights are going, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. And I will say that, you know, safety first. Like I said, WWE is showing it is possible. But yes, obviously, the elephant in the room, you acknowledge this is a very temperamental situation that we're dealing with, which I'm sure, you know, Dana White and anybody else in the business doesn't have to be told that, let's be honest. Nah, they know, and look, for whatever you know, extreme precautions they they say they're going to be taking, you know they're also going to be holding their breath that everything comes through with, a you know, everyone comes through with a clean bill of health, you know, goes in and comes out the same way they, well, apart from the punches and all that, the same way they 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 started. Now, my my, my question would be about hospitals and, and both locations, actually, uh, but but when they were doing them, I, they used to do like a lot of WEC fights up at the Tachi Palace, right? So yeah, they I'm literally gonna, had a whole promotion, Taichi Palace fights. Yeah, that's right. So I assume there's a nearby hospital, either on the reservation or off, that hopefully isn't overrun right now. But but really, my question is, where will the medical attention, where will the medical care be be coming from for the for the private island fights? You know, you can't build a hospital overnight, so you'll have some. Comp- capability probably right they'll fly in a doctor and have some equipment but if somebody really 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 gets hurt man they got to have a proper plan for for evac for medevac so i, mean, I would on, like to on know. that note when you talk about a private island how far is it off the coast when we're talking private island exactly how like how hard is it to get from the island to somewhere with a hospital <laughs> that's what we're all asking like yeah, pretty the much. T-Mobile yeah. Marina doesn't have a built-in hospital. They still got to take a drive, right? How far is it? Because I, I will say this. I don't know about you. I have not, never heard of a significant island being off the coast of California. I mean, Catalina. How is it Catalina? <laughs> Alcatraz has kind of uh, got a structure there already that I don't think is suitable for cage fights. I mean, Ooh, there are some bars in there, but that's another that story. That would be amazing if they did it Alcatraz. But I was thinking, it's like, I've never heard of these, you know, so I'm not entirely convinced that it's nearby the West Coast uh, venue. Um, We'll wait and see. I'm sure somebody is going to Google Maps it the second it drops, but I just want to throw that out there also. I think it's going to be like a Caribbean island or something. I'm just saying, I don't know if there's an available island off the California coast. And I feel like Florida, aren't they kind of already taken by other territories? So Okay, so I think I missed something. Did he, he, he say the island is, is on the west coast as well? No, that's why I'm like, I feel like we're all assuming that because of the um, west coast uh, venue. But I'm like, oh, I'm okay, not okay. sure that's true. Nah, nah, nah. I think I we're think just so. jumping to conclusions there, but. That's just another thing, um, you know, I'm sure they'll figure that out, or, you know, I'd, or die I, <laughs> I'm ready to see some MMA, but um, medicals are not something that I want them to be lax with the rules about, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's fair.
Anyway, so there was a lot of changes to UFC 249. I was, you know, uh, like I've been saying this so many times that it actually, like, uh, I had to think about it. It's like, wait, am I on the right number? Um, I got ahead of myself. But yeah, so 249, the, obviously, the price of getting our MMA back from the MMA gods. Um, Habib Nurmagomedov will not be making it out of Russia. Secret agent Shevchenko was not able to retrieve the lightweight champion. And so, you know, the next best thing. On less than two weeks notice, top contender Justin Gaethje will be fighting Tony Ferguson for the interim strap. Natalie, thoughts? Holy moly. Okay, when the Khabib thing was revealed that he was stuck in Russia, like that same day or the day after, I started seeing tweets about like, oh, you can still leave Russia if it's on a private plane. And so I was like, okay, we're cool. UFC's going to send a private plane. They're going to take Khabib out of Russia. And then bada bing, bada boom. Never happened. So first of all, I don't know if that's true, that rumor. Um, second of all, I still want to know if the UFC supported, endorsed, encouraged Khabib to go to Emirates and then to then go to Russia when he couldn't stay, you know, when he found out he was going to be stuck at the uh, in um, United Arab Emirates. Dana White has come out to say it's not Khabib's fault, and I wonder if that's just because Khabib's such a big star, he doesn't want to, you know, start poo-pooing someone with such a large fan base. Because I feel like he normally doesn't hesitate to to kind of crap on one of his fighters, even if it's a, if they're a popular fighter. So the fact that he defended him made me wonder, okay, one, did the UFC encourage him to, to make these take these crazy flights? Or two, is it just that he's such a big star, they're not going to even create any negative energy there? But now we have Tony Ferguson fighting for another interim title against Justin Gaethje. Is this an exciting fight? 100% yes. But is it? Is, am I excited to watch it? Of course. I just feel a little bit bad for Tony Ferguson because if he loses, it's like you you already had the interim belt taken away from you once. This was your chance to fight for the real belt. Fifth time you're, you're booked against Khabib, all of this craziness, and then you lose the interim belt and you're shot at Khabib once again. I mean, you look at that. It, yeah, you outlined it perfectly Um. Uh, I'm not going to lie to address the the bad news first is that, uh, you know, if it is at the location that seems to be rumored on the West Coast and you tell me Habib left, it's just, uh, I'm sorry, but the cruel irony is just not, I can't say it enough. It's worse than the whole, they cancel it on April Fool's Day twice now in the history, right? Is that you know, all that happens. And of course, it makes me ask, why wasn't this possible before he got on the plane? Um, and look, I understand being there for his family and all that and the risks. I completely do. But, you know, it's hard not to just state the obvious in terms of the situation. And yeah, this is a fantastic fight. It is, you know, I, look, I would want to see this any day of the week. Just, you know, because we know how big the Tony Habib fight was, I just, you know, it's hard for me to be like, ah, you know, it's so many risks. Like you said, the obvious for Tony Ferguson, and I'll I'll be honest, logistically, 
for Habib Nurmagomedov, when you talk about the run that these guys are on, let's say he were to get the W on Tony, and then you go into Justin Gaethje, who's been on this tear, right? I'm sorry, but Habib Nurmagomedov argument, you know, suddenly for probably one of the number one fighters in the world, you know, suddenly he's looking to knock John Jones, you know, give John Jones a run for his money at the top spot, right? Because of just the difficulty of schedule and the way he's done it. That that is right there. Not to say that it wouldn't still be big if he were to fight both of these guys, but now suddenly uh, is. A fight with Justin Gaethje as good if he loses to Tony or vice versa if Justin wins and Habib fights Justin then fights Tony is that fight getting you as amped up after Tony takes the L no exactly so that is my whole thing about this it's so now obviously Tony Ferguson has the world to gain because he could beat Justin and Habib possibly and you know set it up right so okay i get that there it's just tough but look let me just make clear these are two gamers right this is you know tony ferguson is the type of guy versus justin gaethje is that guy also you know just they come forward they bring it they're not in boring fights justin could put tony to sleep and put this all to bed Tony could go out there and do what Tony does, give him the business and move on, call out Habib. It's such a good fight. But man, the context of everything really has me like, ah, oh, dude, I don't even know. Yeah, and like his, he did like an interview with Brett Okamoto and he's like de- delivering these crazy quotes like at 18, 19 minutes of pure hell, pure fury. Like, that's crazy, man. He's just ready. And he even says, you know, I'm scared. And like, I'm thinking... I guess, you know, it's silly to think fighters aren't scared before a fight. Of course they are. But, you know, they're going in there anyway. But I wonder what the fear is in in this particular instance. Is it fighting a killer and a kind of a – I say this completely as a compliment, like a psycho fighter in 21st Or is it the COVID thing, combination of things? I mean, you know, it could be. But gosh almighty, Justin Gaethje, uh, a little bit of of a heroic move there to step in and take this challenge and um dude i'm i'm all in man i'm all in even this despite all the you know the fallout that we discussed depending on who wins and and the bigger picture of covid like i'm all in on this let's do it yeah i mean look it's good television um it would be just what people need to get amped up again i think in terms of live television and everything else so yeah, I am excited for it. It is a great fight. Um, like you said, Justin Gaethje. Now we talk about the intangibles, though. I mean, he's he's not the one who's been training for a fight on April 18th. I mean, at least, you know, how could he be? I mean, even if you thought something might happen and you'll step in in Brooklyn, no one expected the last month of events to play out the way it has. Like, And then with the gyms being closed and all this, it's like, is he, you know... The Justin Gaethje on fire like he was against Cowboy about a year ago? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say yes, right? But I also believe how could he take this fight if he's just completely feels like he's on the couch? I just don't see that happening either. That would be very reckless. And I know it seems like he's the kind of guy to be that way with the way he fights sometimes. 
But no, he's a smart dude, so I don't believe Justin Gaethje takes this fight unless he's, um, you know, he's ready to go. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and he's just naturally, since, since childhood, he's, he's a savage. And so I think always would have been, is always like, you know, probably 70% ready to go. And with a, a, a week, who knows how much notice he had, um, can really just like turn it on and, 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 and just go kill, man. Or, you know, in quotation marks, of course. I know, you can't, can't be saying that word in I know, 2020, I know. April 2020 right now. Can't Natalie. say nothing right now, man. <laughs> like, if you sneeze, people, you know, want to... Okay, do you remember Monsters, Inc., when they called it 2319? I gotta say, with man, the, I, never with the kids? What? I never watched that movie. never Anyway, y'all know, y'all, if y'all are under a certain age, y'all seen it. Essentially, like, you know, anytime it happens, like, the whole SWAT team comes in to disinfect somebody just because they think they might, you know... It's a whole context. But Dude, I almost know. accidentally put my milk in someone else's shopping cart in the market last week. Mm. I know. And I, I looked up. I was like, this doesn't look like my cart. And the people were looking at me and I was like, I didn't touch it. I didn't touch anything. I swear. And, you know, not because I was scared, but man, I don't want to get anyone mad at me for, you know, doing anything offensive uh, i heard i read this tweet which is you know a very sign of the times but they said it's like you know what kind of times are we living in you used to sneeze to hide the fact that you farted now you're farting to hide the fact that you sneezed <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, i've never done that but yes <laughs> i don't believe you <laughs> anyway but uh no nah, so back to business though like yeah it's um i mean look the card is set so here let me pull it up but a lot of the cards are still there. You got uh, Uriah Hall. You got uh, Jacare there. Um, the fight, obviously, co-main event was supposed to be big. You had Rose Namajunas taking on Jessica Andrade. Rose is reportedly out. So now, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to move. Oh, they're going to move Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rose and Strike to co-main event. I can't see how they're not going to do that. They still have Jacare on the card, like I said. Um, it's just a good, good fight card. They have a lot of big names on it. I feel like they have everything you could want. You have, uh, I mean, Chito Vera, Ray Borg. You've got Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater. How is that not a banger in the featherweight division? They really Dude, stacked it. They did. When I saw the lineup, I'm not going to lie. I mean, excited is the word of the day for me. Truly excited. I was like, holy moly, he did it. And he got this card. Wow. And he mean, being Dana White. So I was disappointed to, to read the news about Rose Namajunas being out. But he still got an amazing card. you know. And hopefully they still get an opponent for, for Andrade. Who's uh, um, Angela Hill? You know, she's, <laughs> she's always jumping in, ready to save the day. I didn't. I didn't even think of that. I might. I might text someone at Alliance. It's like, hey, be honest. Is she ready to go? No. I mean, um, she might be. That's why not, right? This is why this not, is dude? literally Angela Hill circumstances. This is what she's made for. Exactly. <laughs> no despite. Um, it's just a good card, man. Um, if they do pull it off, it's gonna be good television. Uh, worth the price of admission, kind of deal with pay per view. I just, I'll say it. I really wanted Tony versus Habib. I know. I can't. It's like, 
It's like winning the lottery, but your girlfriend dumps you at the same time. Like, oh, like, I know I have a lot of reasons to be happy, but I'm still hurt. <laughs> yeah, so close, yet so far away. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so more news on that as it develops, I'm sure, by this time next week. I, I'm going to just say this right now. Absolutely anything can happen within the next seven or so days. We may have a location, and we may even have a fight card for the island or whatever coming up. <laughs> so that could very easily be what we're talking about. We could Octagon also, Island? Yeah, yes, we could also very easily be talking about how something happened, and UFC 249 is also now scrapped after all this. We are living in oh, these kinds Lord. of times. We are. We so are. I'd like to point out, it's like, I'm going to just put it on the table. Anything could happen. Honestly. Have you heard, um, like, or seen any on social media, like any of the like the the refs were you seeing Herb Dean, uh, Mark Goddard, any of those guys talking about they're going to be at this fight or anything like that? I have not. That is a very good point. Why? Why do you bring it up? I'm just curious. I, I'm wondering who are they going to who are they going to have get to to referee this and like. It's not sanctioned by Cal. I mean, it's on Indian tribal land, right? So I don't know who needs to sanction it. Do you need sanctioning at this point? Like, I'm unclear on on all the that's the thing, bureaucratic right? matters. The, the fights don't count if they're sanctioned, right? That's the question. I mean, here's yeah. the thing. I guess uh, I'm very. It, it is a very gray area part of the rules, but I think the general way to understand it is that. Technically, you know, the California Commission isn't the only one on tribal lands is how I understand it. So just because, you know, they have their own commission on tribal lands doesn't mean your fights don't count. Just the same way, you know, you have a Nevada, California, Texas, New York commission, right? Mm -hmm. So if I understand it correctly, technically your, fight, your fights are still official, even though they're not California sanctioned, they are sanctioned in a way on tribal land so you know and okay. then in terms of the officialness of the titles and all that technically speaking the ufc could put a belt on anybody at any time for any reason yeah so that's that's where that part comes in in terms of answering questions all right but yeah that's how i understand it it's like yeah so technically they can technically refs can be paid by somebody not california to be the ref just another athletic commission I'm curious if people are going to be wearing masks. Obviously not the fighters, but anybody else? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the, my whole thing about wearing the masks, if you're like the ref, is that it is still a very, very physical job. I mean, you know, especially if you're chasing around the bantamweights and the flyweights, right? So. Yeah. Oh, before we talk about it, because we're... All right, so guys, we're going to have a, another throwback because, you know, we could talk about news, but, you know, we did have some lined up just for some more quarantainment, as I like to call it. We'll also talk about a little bit of MMA television. But um, the final one, before I forget, Dominic Cruz, in the last hour, saying that he... Jose Aldo is out and that he's going to be fighting Henry Cejudo in May... Um, first off, as of right now when we're taping our show, it is so new that I don't think ESPN even has one of their little red and white graphics that they do on social media. And so, you know, that's kind of like the last stamp that says it's not preliminary. They've had enough people say, yes, this is true. If it is true, I... Okay, you're talking about Justin Gaethje stepping in on short notice. 
I'm sorry, but Dominic Cruz. I mean, I have a question. Have you been watching any of the ESPN IG lives? No, I have not. I'm not going to lie. Dominic Cruz was on there. I don't know if it was the lighting, but my goodness, that guy already looked like he'd been in a fight. Oh. So if he's training hard, like he is training like he's ready, it seems like it. I don't know how. I missed that part of the interview, if I'm being honest. But if Dominic Cruz, who hasn't fought in, uh, I believe we're coming up on three years. Uh, of, no, he, three plus years now. Sheepers. Um, yes. To fight uh, the double champ, Triple C, Henry Cejudo thoughts <laughs> well honestly this fight to me actually makes more sense than the jose aldo one because really yeah well it does first of all cruz has come off of long layoffs before straight to title fight or close to being straight to title fight so it's like he's he's special enough to me that i'm okay with it but specifically because to me the jose aldo one just didn't make a lick of sense He's a 45er who went down to 135, lost the fight, and just because of his name gets a title shot, I'm not into it. Of course, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not into it. This is at least the former 35 champion, has a long legacy, and 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 he's got he's got you know game on. He's a got good mic game, and so does Cejudo. So that's going to be amazing marketing. This is this is better for promotion for sure. I mean, it's just such a, um, it's such a weird one. I mean, it's Dominic coming off on this thing and just uh, doing it is, I don't know. I mean, I get it, but then it's like Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Moraes a second time. I'm like, dude, I kind of, I don't know, Dominic, I, I get marketing-wise, but still, this is almost crazier to me than the Dominic Cruz fight. Sorry, than the D Jose Aldo fight. So to me, I'm just, I'm I'm shocked. How else to say that? I, I mean, am shocked. You're shocked. <laughs> Henry Cejudo, I think, has been very clear about really just wanting to fight legends and then bouncing. And so they probably told him, like, you can fight these up-and-comers. Great challenge. Or you could knock another, uh, you know, add another notch to your belt, uh, the legend's belt, and 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 fight Dominic Cruz. So I think that's that's why this happened. This is happening, and I'm on board, man. I'm sorry to have to disagree with you. No, it's fine. I just, uh, you know, I'm shocked. I have no words for this. I was this shocked hour. for the Aldo one. That one shocked me. I was like, what? I was the shocked heck? there too, but this time I'm more shocked. <laughs> like I'm shocked beyond words although I do have something to say yep <laughs> which by the way is one of my favorite sayings I never get to use it though <laughs> anyway guys so um I mean we could end the show there but you know if you want something to do you don't want to think about everything going on I'm with you so we have a lot more MMA daily left um so before everything happened we did have plans to Go back in time. This time, one chosen by Miss Natalie Zamudio. What's cool about this, I've got stories, you've got stories. Um, so tell us what fight card you picked, and we'll just jump right into it for time. Okay, yeah, I picked UFC 199, where Michael Bisping defeated Luke Rockhold in round one for the middleweight championship, and it was a glorious victory. And I picked this fight specifically because I was there. It was the first UFC fight I ever went to. 
and uh, I had, uh, what was it, 2016, I think, so had been back. I lived in Seattle with my husband for a year, and so we'd just been back about a year or so, and we're living near the forum. And we were watching Ariel Helwani, like on the computer, his coverage outside the forum. And he said, my husband said, why don't we just see if there's any tickets and, and go? Because it's just right down the street. Might as well. So StubHub or something. And there we were. And uh, it was incredibly exciting for me. It was thrilling. And to see Bisping, specifically also to this 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 fight, that uh, the main event, to see Bisping come off of two weeks notice off the set of triple x i think it was and evangel loss to luke rockhold and then win the belt when nobody thought he would ever be champion ever 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 he was just that guy that's been around for so darn long that never got a shot and he finally did it and it was beautiful it was amazing it was it was his family got in the cage and just watching it again today it, it took me right back to it the crowd was roaring they were so excited for him and, you know, Luke Rockle just didn't didn't take Bisping seriously. He didn't respect him, and he paid the ultimate price. So I remember it slightly differently. First off, yeah, I mean, on two weeks' notice, Michael Bisping, and just remember a lot of the things that had to happen. Remember that, um, I think at the time, Yoel Romero was the top contender. Yoel Romero was not available. That's right. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Yoel even set to fight like, uh, or that might have been the year later with Robert Whitaker. I know it's, it'd been a while, but um, Robert Whitaker wasn't, sorry, Yoel Romero was not available. Uh, Robert Whitaker wasn't, you know, Robert Whitaker yet. And then Jacare, who was on a tear at the time also, he was unavailable. So that is how the Michael Bisping on two weeks, even though he's, you know, filming a movie, happened. And then you got to remember, I mean, Luke Rockhold was on a tear. Luke Rockhold had just beat down Chris Weidman, who had beaten Anderson Silva and Vitor and Lioto. Um, Luke Rockhold was the man at the time. And not for nothing, he had just wiped the floor with Michael Bisping in Australia like a year earlier, right? So yeah. um, even though Michael was coming off that big win over Anderson Silva, you know, people kind of felt like this wasn't, 2009 2010 Anderson Silva crushing it this you know Luke Rockhold was the man of today and had all the weapons you remember he had the ground game he was just lighting people up on the feet people felt like Luke could hold the belt for a while yes and then uh you know the two-week notice happens and you know Luke was winning that fight in my opinion but and something we've kind of noticed Luke I I am convinced it is because he is very good. I think he is a lot better than a lot of the people that he gets with him to train. Because that is the only way I feel like a guy whose IQ I've seen be that good leaves his chin out there as much as he has that's been taken advantage of. Oh my god, it was just high and dry. And you know, so he's chasing Bisping a little bit. The guard is low. Bisping with his now, you know, infamous left hook Larry. Cracks Luke good. Luke is just no legs under him, moving away. Bisping follows it up, connects on that next one, and bam! And you can't believe it, which is now time for my favorite story. And I'm <laughs> going to just say it right now. I'm not even going to use my own words. I'm going to use my own interview with one <laughs> Michael the Count Bisping oh. that I'm going to play for you guys right here. 
and right now. Back in 2009-ish, UFC 100, I think I was the only person who picked you to defeat Dan Henderson. Okay. You obviously remember that. I'd like to point out, I was the only guy I knew who picked you to beat Rockhold in the second one. Oh. You made it up to me. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. You were clearly very wrong at that first one. But we didn't know Dan Henderson was cheating at the time. He was on testosterone replacement therapy. I never knew that. Uh, it would have been nice to know. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Hall of Fame. Now... <laughs> I say I have told this story many times even before you were on the show. I always remember UFC 100 being epic and I was the only person I knew to beat who picked Michael Bisping to beat Dan Henderson and then that happened. And Natalie, let me tell you, I did not know anybody who honestly believed Michael Bisping would beat Luke Rockhold and seriously, when he stepped up to take it, I still said Michael Bisping is going to get the job done. Dude, and that's you know amazing. What? Michael Bisping got the job done, <laughs> and I got to tell him to his face, you know what, you made UFC 100 up to me. I always remember that about the UFC 199. Dude, that's pretty awesome. Like, and I'd like to point out, I was also there live too. In the main okay, UFC. I was going to ask you, were, you, were you covering it? Not covering yet. I was there as a fan, which leads oh, into sweet. another story down the line. But yes, I was there too. So maybe we ran into each other and didn't know it. Maybe I was getting pizza and you got popcorn. I don't know. I was probably getting pizza also. <laughs> See, we could have been friends a lot sooner. <laughs> so that yeah. I always remember that story. And yeah, talking to Michael Bisping about that, I'm not going to lie, is still one of my favorite moments all time. That's awesome, dude. Hands Way down. to go. Yeah. Um, the next one, though, the co-main event, Uriah Faber, Dominic Cruz. Um, this was another one I... I liked it a lot when they announced it. I'm a huge Uriah Faber fan. And not for nothing, we're talking about... This is kind of why, to your point, Dominic Cruz is getting the fight with Cejudo, right? He's been the king for so long. He'd been through the layoffs. But if I'm not mistaken, this was his first fight after winning the belt back from TJ months earlier. Um, this was just a very interesting matchup because they'd fought once before... Uh, before Cruz essentially had so much time off with layoffs, and Uriah Faber just took him to the limit. It was an epic fight. I I would argue probably one of the m most exciting bantamweight fights in MMA history. It was just that good, that competitive. And then so the rematch was supposed to be just as good. Uriah was still performing well. Dominic Cruz had come back. Um, Natalie, this one played out differently. Yeah, Dominic Cruz kind of, I wouldn't say cruised through him, but he kind of, kind of like just stayed one step ahead. I think he knocked him down a couple times and it was a clean victory. And I think for crew, for Dominic Cruz, it was just like final, you know, closing the, the chapter on the book of this, this like little feud that he's had with Uriah Faber. And so I think he was happy to just move on with his life. Unfortunately, you know, because he was moving a little quickly after his his return from a long layoff, then he goes to face Cody Garbrandt too soon, and he loses the belt and all that stuff. But you know, it was a fun fight, but it it's not like one that made as much of an impression on my brain as, as some of the other ones that night. Obviously, the main event being the number one. Yeah, that one. Um, I think it was just look. To his credit, this is kind of why Dominic Cruz set the standard of excellence. And I'd like to point out, since then, 
nobody else has really taken the top spot. Um, TJ Dillashaw was performing very well, but recent events with his career, obviously it's not as shiny as it was a while ago, right? I don't got to go into that whole thing. I think everybody knows. But look, I mean, I think the thing about Dominic Cruz is that, you know, he kind of became that what if, right? What if, you know, how many fights and wins would Dominic have gotten had he not gotten injured? It's kind of like Cain Velasquez, just would he have reigned supreme for so much more had he never gotten hurt? It was the same thing with Dominic, and this one was a good reminder of like, this is why we thought about it. He was good when he left, he was arguably better when he came back. Um, it was really something, and I think this just showed why Dominic Cruz is such a special talent, and you kind of see why in his analyzing. I mean, clearly he's a guy with fight IQ, he knows what he's doing, He's been in there. He knows how to convey his message. Sometimes he forces you to be a little smarter than you want to be. That's okay. I don't think he should compromise that because he is brilliant on the mic as well, in my opinion. Yeah, he was. He's really great on the mic. And, like, I just love hearing him go back and forth. It doesn't matter who his opponent is, but he, he just goes, he just always stings and burns his opponent, whoever whoever it is. And he's always, like, He's a little bit smarter than, than everybody when it comes to, to, to trash talking to. Yeah, it's just his thing, which really works for him. But Natalie, I know you have one more fight. I also have one more epic story, so go ahead. Yeah, so so I really was excited to talk about Max Holloway versus Ricardo Lamas for a selfish, super selfish reason. So the fight was fun. Max Holloway dominated Ricardo Lamas. You know, there was some back and forth there, but Holloway had the advantage on the strike, on the feet, I should say, and then he had a couple of really good submission attempts there, especially at the end of, I think, the first or the second, where he, if there had been more time on the clock, he might have he been able to finish a choke. But what got me about this, and I think everybody, was the last 10 seconds of round number three. Max Holloway stands in the center of the octagon, points down, and says, let's go. Let's bang. And the two of them just start swinging at each other. It's kind of what you see. Like, I've, if you've ever been to, like, a, a, a group boxing class, you know, they always tell you at the very end to just give your heavy bag, just give it all you can, and everyone starts swinging like crazy, and they're having so much fun. That's what it looked like. But they were doing it to each other's faces. <laughs> so it was pretty intense. And and why why did that moment make an impression with me? Uh, well, that's you know, when you I, knew you wanted to work with Gabriel and be an MMA exactly, reporter. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I need to be in this world. But 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 it also, when I was in labor uh, this past December, and I was in pain before before I said, please give me the, the drugs. Before that happened, I was picturing Max Holloway pointing to the center of the octagon, and, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm going to beat these contractions like Max Holloway. I'm just going to stand here, and I'm going to take it. Uh, that didn't last very long, but he inspired me for, you know, a couple hours at the very least. I'd like to point out labor is a lot longer than a non-title fight in the U.S. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. <laughs> um, what I like, I think Max even talked about it recently, and he was like, what about that moment? And then he was like, well, you know, he said he wanted to bang, and I looked at him, and I was feeling it, and I was like, let's do this. Um, which is, of course, a testament to why a lot of people love Max. I mean, as brilliant as he is, He's also not against just getting into a good old fist fight and just throw it, just throw down for the sake of throwing down, which makes him so much fun. And, you know, he even did that against uh, Alex Volkanovsky, which I think is, you know, a testament that this is the same dude. So 
Yeah, but I love that fight. Max was always a little bit ahead of Ricardo, I remember. And um, remember, Ricardo was the guy who'd fought for the title previously. So this was really the upswing for Max, right? And if I'm not mistaken, that one got him a shot at the title. Because uh, Aldo fought Frankie Edgar at 200 the following month. And later, in you know, after layoffs, I think... No, Max fought Pettis after. My apologies. And then, you know, but the next fight for Aldo after winning the title was Max Holloway. So, you know, this was close to when he kind of reached the ascension, right? He had become yeah. championship level Max. This was one of those steps there. My story. So I went to UFC 199 um, just as a fan. I was there with my dad. I was in my seat. My dad wanted to go grab a drink or something. And it's, you know, my dad is a very, uh, he could be a social butterfly, um, which is very odd because if you meet him, he's also, you know, a lot of machismo, my dad, you know, he's <laughs> one of those guys, right? Anyway, so he was apparently in line and he was talking to somebody and he's like, oh yeah, my dad is fighting on the, sorry, my son is fighting on the card and my dad's talking to him like, oh, who's your son? And, you know, the guy tells him, oh, my son is Ricardo Lamas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my dad hung out and talked to Ricardo Lama's dad before that fight. Dude, that's crazy. Yes, and I hope the dad I hope he made it back to his seat in time. <laughs> well he did. It was I think prelims. They were I think main uh, they may have been featured prelim, but you know, this was early in the night uh, in gotcha. the afternoon. So um but yeah, so and then of course they do that in the fight. So my dad still you know will tell you it's like oh how's ricardo lamas doing <laughs> so that's always a cool moment i always remember that's funny dude yeah that was a that was a great night man it really was an amazing night and the michael bisping thing like i was already a fan and this just just took me next level fandom with him um but i do have a story as well i was out in the walkways i don't know probably trying to get a drink or i think i went to use the restroom and i was waiting for my my husband my boyfriend at the time and I see Carla Esparza out there mm -hmm. and she's all dressed up and she's talking to some dude and like I think she's trying to like you know make a connection and I was like the you know the dumb fan that just wants a picture <laughs> so I'm standing there and I'm like creeping I'm inching closer and closer <laughs> to her and then my boyfriend comes out and I was like oh you know I'm a big fan can I please have a picture and then the dude she was talking to just like disappears. And so as soon as she's done taking the picture with me, he's gone. And I thought, oh, no, I just blocked you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really bad. Natalie, you cock blocked Carla Esparza? I did, dude. I totally did. I don't even know where the picture is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is. I'm going to bring that up to her when I see her. She's. Uh, I've yeah, you a should lot of tell people. me. She was wearing a white dress. I remember that. And I, she was at the forum. And let's see if she remembers. I know people she trains with. I, I, I'll run into her. I'm going to. This is worth it. <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad. I really felt in the moment. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> you are definitely sp spilling the quarantine today. Yep. <laughs> No, but um, that was a fun one. Uh, that night was just a good night of fights. I know the the um, I want to say the MMA fighting guys are doing UFC 199 this week too. I think they said that it set the record for most knockdowns ever in a UFC event. So, you know, just to say there were a lot of bangers. Um, there was also a very young, fresh-faced kid named Brian Ortega. That's right. Um, 
you know, he was making other choices back then. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, he got a big victory that night, too. So there was a lot of fun stuff that night, I remember. Yeah, good times, man. We could have been best friends. We could have hung out at the fights. At the fights with Ricardo Lamas' dad. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, what might have been, huh? Next one. Next one. They'll they'll lift the ban eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've had a lot of television to watch. Mind you, that technically that's all we're doing, right? I mean, we can't go cover any fights. We just just listen to Ariel Hawani tell us that they're fighting on Sports Center. Um. So we've had a lot of stuff to watch, and this next recommendation comes from Miss Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, what bit of MMA TV did you? <laughs> Put on well, our I, schedule. I picked a movie that I've never seen before, but um, someone I know is always asking me if I've watched Here Comes the Boom because they know I like MMA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't. So here was my golden opportunity, thanks to quarantine, to, to go ahead and check it out. So um, you were kind enough to agree to, to watch it too, or maybe maybe you had already watched it recently, or you own the, the you know the director's cut, and so you're very familiar <laughs> with it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it was a fun movie, man, starring Kevin James, who, you know, I got to say, he's kind of handsome. I never was really a fan, but I liked him. Uh, he's a, he's a, a former college wrestler who's a teacher, but he's like kind of mm, given up on his students and on being dedicated to teaching, but in an effort to like help a friend of his, a coworker keep their job, he goes and into the world of MMA. Cause he finds out that this is the, the funny hook was like, he was watching an MMA fight, a UFC fight. And the guy who lost, he finds out made $10,000 and he's like, you can make $10,000 to lose. And, and that was all it took. So he, all he wanted to do was lose lose a fight in the UFC so he could make his ten grand. But, uh, of course, a lot of other exciting stuff happens. And he, he grows as a human being, as a fighter, as a teacher, and a friend. And you know what? I straight up enjoyed it. It was funny, dude. It was funny. You know what? Um, what I remember most about the... Um... Here comes the boom. I, I remember that Kevin James is a very legit UFC and MMA fan. And um, I want to say he's trained a bit. I know Joe Rogan has talked about uh, that Kevin James legit trains and is a martial artist. So I always remember it. It's like I feel like it was almost by Kevin James for Kevin James. But it's all right because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, it's just a fun movie. Um, I kind of say for people who haven't seen it, it's a little bit of, uh, Nacho Libre meets, uh, Mall Cop, and you kind of get the gist of what you're watching with it. Um, they, it's just very fun. It's a very family-friendly, kid-friendly movie if you have a lot of time. And yeah, I think the biggest thing that's fun is that they did a good job of the MMA stuff in terms of local MMA, so, um... Uh, spoiler Kevin James character fights several fights and a lot of hilarity ensues for example he has one fight where it's outdoors and it starts raining and um you know he has to keep fighting and it's yeah they start slipping and everything yes there's another one where the cage which has legit happened in some form I've been told is true where like part of the cage just breaks and he gets the win if I'm not mistaken I don't remember uh, if he got the win, but the cage definitely broke. He got yeah. tossed 
like to towards the edge of the or the, one of the, the sides and he just fell right through yes so that happened and so you know that that stuff you know is very just uh very fun um and then there's a lot of cameos so for a example ton. one of the people infamously the kevin james character fights is jason mayhem miller and uh <laughs> Yeah, Miller, uh, if you guys remember, probably he went on Helwani's show to talk about it and he just went cuckoo bananas. But yeah, you know, Jason plays a very eccentric uh, fighter, which, you know, believe it or not, he was more eccentric than I think normal, just to say the least. And yeah, ironically, you know, he's beating up Kevin James' character. Kevin James comes in overhand right, knocks him out cold. Uh, so yeah, a lot of cameos. He gets a fight offer specifically from Joe Rogan with hair. Joe Rogan, just yeah. saying. Um, let me. Okay, I don't know if you remember this. Depending on where your MMA knowledge comes in or comes out, but the whole thing is that Kevin James' last fight in the movie is against a legit UFC fighter in the UFC, and it's they actually got. UFC, then at the time, UFC fighter Christoph Szczynski. He was on Ryan Bader's season of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, by the way, they changed his name to, of all things, I think it's, I always remember Kenneth Dietrich. Yeah, it was Ken Dietrich, yeah. Yes, which is like, you, okay, I get his regular name sounds too complicated, but you're going to give him, you know, just Alex Smith. If you're going <laughs> to do it, just give us something very basic, but no, they still... Made it a little fancy. I always found that odd. And, you know, they're playing clips of uh, Chosinski defeating Brian Stan, which actually happened in MMA um, in the UFC. And, yeah, it's just uh, feel-good comedy. Uh, I love Selma Hayek's character. I thought they had a fun chemistry. <laughs> Once again, very just silly relationship for a family movie. Nice casting. You know, Kevin James says, oh, I think we need... Miss Selma Hayek to play my love interest. <laughs> now, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the last co-star, the big one who steals the show. But mm -hmm. I always forget this actor's name. Who's the other teacher that Kevin kind of makes his official cornerman to? Oh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He did a very good job carving a space out for himself. Um, and now I'm going to toss it to you because the one who steals the show... And Mr. mind you, he doesn't get yeah. enough credit. Boss Rutten. Yep. Talk Mr. Boss Rutten himself. He did an excellent job. I was really impressed, actually. Um, really charismatic. And he, he, you could tell that he was going all in on every scene, but he didn't, you know, it wasn't over the top. Um, he was excellent. He was very, 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 uh, very charming. And I think, I want to say he did TV too. Like, I think he did Two and a Half Men or something, right? He did, uh, ironically, the other Kevin James sitcom that I'm liking oh, on right okay, now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Never mind. He plays yeah. like his neighbor. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. And so Boss Rutten was like a big co-star. But you had, uh, well, you mentioned Mayhem Miller, Chell Sonnen is in there too. Yep. He pretends that he didn't tap to Kevin James' character, but he did. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh boy, there were a couple other ones. Now I can't remember. I just saw the movie. But it was uh, it was cool to see. And then, yeah, Joe Rogan with hair. I thought his acting was, you know, I mean, he's an actor. He's had acting. He was on news radio. I thought maybe it was a little stiff. They could have done a take two on that one. 
I almost find it weird because they're asked to play versions of themselves, right? It's like, yeah. you know, maybe a bit of imagination feels more awkward because you're being you, but not. I mean, that's... Uh, I will say this. I think that's what I enjoyed most about Boss Rudin's performance. He probably played the best parody version of himself that he possibly could have. Because I think um, if you've known him from... Uh, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it because oh yeah, Inside MMA or something on Axis TV that he did for a long time. Yeah, um, he, brilliant as an a- analyst. He fought in UFC Pride. I, I want to say Pancras. He's in UFC Hall of Fame. I've seen him do a lot of roles on TV and like I've seen him in other shows. He's fought MMA. He's been like the MMA fighter that a, one of the main characters has to take on, right, and stuff like that. So it's not that he doesn't have TV experience, but I think that this is the most we've seen his sense of humor get conveyed. Like, yes, he's a butt kicker, but he is a very funny dude. And I think you saw it in uh, Here Comes the Boom. I think it was a perfect role for him. Like, yeah, he teaches real MMA, but he's also like the hip hop aerobics instructor. Like yeah. uh, kickboxing aerobics and the spin instructor. Class and- yes. Yeah. He um, has real comic chops, man, and comedic timing. Like, that's not easy. So good on him. Yeah, but um, a very fun film. And like I said, if you've got time, you know, it's a good one with the family. Kills an hour and a half or so during dinner or something. So enjoy it. I, it has my stamp of approval. All that. right. Uh, Natalie, we are at the end of our show. So I'm going to leave us. I think it's only right. It's been a couple weeks. I think we should do some predictions. Oh, okay. And, you know, well, maybe I should have, I may be speaking too soon, I'm not going to lie. But I feel like, you know, this is a good time, a good gauge for next week. As of right now, which is Wednesday evening, most people will probably listen to our show on Thursday or more or later. As of right now, do you believe we will get an MMA card for real on next Saturday, April 18th? There will be a fight on Saturday, the 18th. A UFC fight, UFC 249. Yes, I 100% believe that. I also agree. I do believe it will happen. I believe that as many hurdles as there have already been, as many hurdles as there could be, I do foresee at least next Saturday coming together. You know, and I'm sure there's gonna they're gonna announce the location, and there's gonna be some wonder whether or not it gets canceled or something because of X Y Z public health concern. I do believe at least week one of the return will happen for Dana White. I believe that you know at this point you know the hard part is over, so to speak. I don't know about prolong. I don't know week to week. If I'm being honest, that's a little more question. But I will say right now. There's not going to be a headline that UFC 249 is canceled. I don't believe that's going to happen. No, there's not. And hopefully uh, we can keep it. We can keep the party going. Yes. Hey, we'll actually have fights to break down and preview next week. How about that? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that's going to be fun. All right. Well, guys, stay safe. Remember, one day at a time, and we're going to get to the other side of this. Natalie, take care. Where can fans find you on social media to talk more MMA and kill some time with you? Yeah, thanks, man. Same to you. I am on um, Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore, Instagram at Rama. And guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV, and we'll be back next week.